You are listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out adventurous ways to make life more interesting. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm your host, Michael DeRosiers, joined as always by my co-host, James Barrett from Boulder, Colorado. James, in this episode, we're going to be talking about different ways to experience a new place as a local, like a tourist, maybe a little bit of a mixture of both. But first, did you do anything new or adventurous? I did. Um, it's been beautiful up here in Colorado this past week. So I have been doing a lot of stops when I'm driving to work, taking some photos. I started toying around with the DSLR. Ah, cool. Which yeah. is sort of my new thing. I've never used a real camera before. And as you would expect, my initial pictures, not so great. Right. But I'm getting there. So you know, it's a very steep learning curve. But once you get it, you can take incredible images, even with a very old camera like mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I've been doing is when I'm driving and I see a view that I like, I, instead of just going, oh, that's nice, I stop and I take a picture of it with really my cool. phone or, and I'm trying to do beer. Okay. What are you drinking? This is Bootstrap Brewing Company from Longmont, Colorado, about 20 minutes north of me. Okay. Um, it's called Lush Puppy. Ha. <laughs> um, That's funny. It's a juicy India pale ale with orange peel. That sounds actually pretty um, good. It says citrusy, juicy, and luscious. And the can is great. I don't know if it's clear enough. You can see all these little dogs. Oh, yeah. Are those the, the Lush can. Puppies? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have to crack this That's bad funny. boy open. and It's got a nice kind of light orange color. It's mm -hmm. very citrusy. Yeah, a little bit hazy, which I like. Okay, let's see on the nose. Citrusy, hoppy, beer. Getting hints of beer. <laughs> it's good. It's a little bitter, but it's good. Ooh, the orange comes in on the back. That's nice. Awesome stuff. Sounds really good. I, uh, I'm just drinking coffee, but it's 9.42 yeah, in the morning, so not quite hey, beer time. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. I would be lying if I said I haven't drank beer at earlier than that. Oh, no. I know. I mean, <laughs> but if I'm at an airport, anything goes. <laughs> if you're at airports, have no rules. <laughs> Let's see. What about you, Michael? Did you do anything new or an adventurous this week? Well, I did uh, in a way. It's been kind of a busy week with work, but I've done two things recently. So first of all, because the world is slowly reopening which is a good thing. I will say it's a good thing for the world. It's annoying for me because my emergency COVID visa is coming to an end. So in April, I have to go to Cambodia um, for a visa run. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't secretly excited about being forced <laughs> to go on a vacation to another country, you know, like I have to do it. So I might as well make yeah. the most out of it. But you can't just go to Cambodia right now. You know, you, even though their borders are open, there's still a lot of work to do. You can't get a visa on arrival anymore. You have to get their e-visa online first before you go right now. Uh, I had to get insurance. So I've been dealing with all the paperwork I need to get into Cambodia. Then I'm going to have to do it all again to get back to Thailand. So I've been dealing with that a little bit. And I guess you could call that an adventure because that is something new. Uh, going to Cambodia is. is not new, but I'm kind of excited about it. But that's going to be in, uh, about a month from now. So hopefully we can record some episodes from Cambodia. That might be kind of fun. That'd be cool. Uh, but other than that, uh, this week, I sat down with our friend of the show, Chris Christensen, from the Amateur mm -hmm. Traveler podcast. I recorded a third episode with him. In the past, I recorded an episode about traveling to Kanchanaburi, my favorite place in Thailand, and an episode about Bangkok. 
but a couple weeks ago, he reached out asking me if I had any other episode ideas. So I talked about Texas, Texas Hill Country. Nice. I uh, gave some shout outs to some of our favorite places, but also shouted out the show. So if you're here from Amateur Traveler, welcome. Welcome to Attempt Adventure. We're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy our show as much as you like Amateur Traveler. We're not as professional, but we're fun. No. I, think. <laughs> I think we're fun. Definitely not as professional, but that's okay. Yeah. I Sorry, I also noticed they put a hedgehog on here. <laughs> Let's see if you can... Where is it? Where's that, where's that little guy? Oh, I see him. Yeah, I see him. I see him. That's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> I gotta say, IPAs usually have the best art. They have the best can art. They're not my favorite beer. Hazy IPAs I like a lot. They tend to not be as bitter. As for can art, I don't think any other beer type... No comes close to an IPA it's, can. It's because hipsters. <laughs> yeah, true. Before we get into the rest of the episode, I do want to give a little reminder for our February and March monthly challenge. This month, the challenge is to wake up early and watch the sunrise. Maybe take a picture of it mm-hmm. if you want to. We've already had a couple entries. Uh, you've already done it. You've sent me your picture I as have. well. I need to get on that. So <laughs> I have a couple weeks left. I mean, I had to be at work early and true. I was like, oh, it's a perfect time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but that's coming up soon. So, yeah, do take a picture of the sunrise. Send it to us. Hello at attemptadventure.com, subject line challenge. And we'll be talking about those at the end of March. That'll be fun. Yes, we will. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. One final little thing before we jump into it. We've got a tiny piece of listener mail, uh, an article from listener Jin. It's about the 20 amazing benefits of camping and top tips for beginners. So really uh, useful article and really relevant to what we like to talk about. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So folks, go and check it out. It's, I think, a really valuable resource because camping is mm-hmm. not just fun. It is good for you. It's good to get outside and it get is. to nature and, and de-stress a little bit. So I thought that was a really good article. And thanks to Jen for sending that in. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Really do appreciate every bit of listener mail we get. Most definitely. So, Michael, yes, you are an American citizen living in a very foreign country. <laughs> Correct on both counts. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> would you say that you experience Thailand like a local experiences Thailand? That's a great question. Now, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, and that's how we got inspired to do this episode, because we had that article from the New York Times that was asking that very question. And it's a really interesting question because I, I would say no, you know, in May this year, I'm coming up on my ninth anniversary of living here. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but even after nine years, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I know people that have lived here like Greg Jorgensen, Bangkok podcast. He's been here like 19, 20 years now. And I don't even think he would say that he experiences Thailand like a local does. We, we mentioned this. I think maybe I experienced Bangkok. Very similar mm-hmm. to a local does, but again, Bangkok is a very cosmopolitan global city. Um, it's a really fascinating, fascinating question. I think that part of it is due to the fact that, well, the culture is very different. The country is very different. Part of it's due to the fact that immigration is not nearly the same. You can't just become Thai even if you get a passport, You know, even if you do technically yeah. become a citizen. 
Um, you're always kind of seen as a foreigner no matter what. But a, a, another part of that is just, I don't know. It, it's very different. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I would say probably not. I would say I probably don't, and I probably never will exactly. Um, I saw a quote on a book one time. I was actually in Cambodia. I was at an airport, and I was looking at the airport books. And the book was about Cambodia, but it applies to Thailand as well. The book was about uh, Cambodia's famous expats. And it described foreigners living in Cambodia as a demographic that has lots of privilege and almost no rights. And I think that exactly describes our situation here as well. Let's expand on that because I, I know what you're talking about, but it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, as a foreigner in Thailand, you do have a lot of privilege. You get access to places that are otherwise not as accessible to people. Um, you are rightly or wrongly, there's a degree of classism and you're seen as like a, a wealthy foreigner, even if you're not, <laughs> you're seen as wealthy. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly not. I imagine the common person on the street has more money in their bank account than I do at the moment. Uh, but there's definitely a stereotype. Um, people tend to treat you with this degree of deference and respect, but when push comes to shove, you really don't have the same rights that a citizen does, of course. Uh, and in any kind of disagreement with a local, I mean, the the police are always going to side with the local against you as the foreigner. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the court's probably the same way. So you can't really make a giant um, deal of stuff. You kind of have to accept things as they go. Um, your rights are extremely limited. You certainly don't have freedom of speech here as a foreigner, especially. You really don't have freedom of protest because it's illegal to get involved in anything political as a foreigner. Hmm. So there's See, that's interesting because Thailand is a as someone that's visited, and I living there I'm sure is different. You see a lot more in depth. Thailand is simultaneously a very modern Western country and the complete opposite at the right. same time. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. But it is very, I think people forget that they see, you know, Thailand has a king and they think it's a full monarchy, but they forget that Thailand at the moment is run by the military. Correct. It's a military junta. And as in pretty much everywhere that has a government like that, certain things are highly restricted. Right. And I would imagine that those rights almost are doubly restricted for foreigners. True. I mean, look recently at the news of the foreigner who got sued and arrested for writing a bad review for a hotel, right? The hotel sued them and mm -hmm. for leaving a bad review because it harmed the hotel's business and hurt the Thai economy. And so, like, insulting the government is a big yes. kind of thing. Especially for a foreigner. You just would never do that. Yeah, it's just not a smart idea, which for a lot of Americans seems very... I'm trying to find words that aren't offensive. <laughs> it's it's part of our culture in the U.S. to criticize our government, mm -hmm. and it's expect not not only is it common, it's expected of us, but it's not the same here, you know. And I, I've even met foreigners that have come here, and they're very idealistic, and they're like, "Oh, I'm coming to Thailand to campaign for XXX or whatever, you know, whatever XYZ," and I'm like, "Like your heart's in the right place, but that's not a good idea, right? It's just it's not. This is not. Shouldn't do that. Like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. It's not. It's not your country." And, it, you know, ultimately, and that's not even, you know, some, some things just have to be worked out domestically. I don't know. You got to be careful about these things. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I was kind of getting at with it is that you as a foreigner, even if you became a Thai citizen, 
you still wouldn't gain those things. True. Like, I don't think even if I became a citizen, I don't think I could ever run for parliament, for example. Mm-hmm. Or even realistically go protest anything. No, no, certainly not. Even if you were a citizen. So to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't experience the country as a local. I experience it more than a, you know, more than a tourist for sure, but I experience mm-hmm. it as an expat, which is a different thing. That's an interesting thing. I was about to say that yeah. is that expats are their own kind of diaspora almost, sure. especially in places like, like Thailand. You know, you live there, it's your home, it's where you will spend your life, mm-hmm. but in a way, you're still kind of a tourist and not necessarily so much in the I'm on vacation thing, but yeah. you are living in a culture that, for better or worse, can never truly become your own. Right. You kind of have your own thing. You can be involved in it and get inserted into it, but it's one—it's an interesting thing to think about. And that, that's, that may not be a bad thing. It's just different. Yeah. Now, that sort of leads me into the next thing. What are ways that you think that when visiting a country, say you want to know what the locals know, you want to eat where the locals eat, that sort of thing. What do you think is the best way to go about doing something like that without coming off as, because you know those kind of people. Sure, yeah. The people that, that I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I know what I'm thinking. It's like they go somewhere and they f- want to fully experience somewhere, but it, it borders on disrespectful. Right. I know what you're saying. It's the people that, that say like, oh, they have nothing, but they're still so happy. That kind of is very yes. patronizing. Yes. I know what you're saying, but um, yes. I mean, first of all, you do want to avoid poverty tourism. I think that's something that people do. Mm-hmm. People do that in, in Thailand. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but there was one time you were at work and I was going to the Grand Palace, or not the Grand Palace, um, Golden Mount, and I was on the river taxi. And when you're on the river taxi, you pass through some very impoverished areas of people that live right on the river. They they live in shacks and things like that. And there was this European couple sitting in front of me, and there's this girl walking around, this young Thai girl in a towel because their shower is outside. Mm-hmm. And these people are like videotaping. And I like, I tapped the guy on the shoulder and I was like, would you want people videotaping your house? And he was like, Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not that that's somebody's life. Yeah. And poverty tourism really is a thing. And it's, it's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> so when, when you're trying to immerse yourself in the country, you don't want to be doing that. Right. Yes. You want to do it. This is hard. This, guy, this is, is a hard it's one. It's a tough question. And actually, I'm going to ask our listeners if they have a take on this. To, to mm-hmm. uh, Do please write in and share your thoughts about this because I would love to hear what other people have to say as well. Yeah, definitely. And because I could be missing the point on some of these things. Sure. You know, I don't know. I haven't traveled all that much. I've been to Thailand several times. But other than that, I haven't really traveled a whole lot other than domestically. Right, right. right. And an interesting thing about being an American is that even in your own country, you don't experience everything like a local does. Somebody from rural Appalachia doesn't have the same experience as someone that lives in Manhattan. Right. 
you know, those are completely different worlds. And I would argue that it's the same kind of thing is you, it's, it's very difficult to experience a country truly like a local, even if you're from that country. It's kind of like, if, to make a Thai example, if someone born and raised in Bangkok went and tried to immerse themselves in the hill tribes, you know? So I don't know if anyone can ever truly experience a whole country like a local. But what if you want to get close? What if you want to try to mm -hmm. experience it as separate from the experience of a tourist as possible? Like, what are your tips? What if you do want to try? Like, of course, we're okay. We're, we're going into this with the understanding that it's not literally possible to do. At okay. least that's our take on it. Yes. But, but how can we get as close as possible? As close as possible. I would say one of the best things you can do, you know, I had you in Thailand. Right. And you had your wife. Yeah. Who was a great resource for stuff we wanted to do. I would say the best thing that you can do to experience a culture as close to a local as possible for someone that isn't is to just simply ask a local. Don't just go up to some random person on the street because not everybody wants to talk to you. <laughs> and not everyone has time. And that's just true. It's, it's not being rude. It's just there's a stranger coming up to you on the street and being like, hey, what do you recommend? That's kind of odd. You know, some people are very receptive to that. I met a guy on a plane to um, Shanghai that was visiting family in China. And if I had had time, he offered to take me around Shanghai mm -hmm. and show me the, the best places in Shanghai. And had I had more time, I would have done it just because. And I think people are most of the time excited to show off mm -hmm. their culture and they want people to experience it. Just like, us as Texans, what's one of the first thing we want to do is have someone try barbecue. Of course. Yeah. And we're so proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you want to, you want to find that thing that locals are proud of, that this is what makes my home great and start from there. And once you do that, it sort of opens up a door to so many other things. The best fried chicken I've ever had came in a bag from a street vendor in Bangkok. It's so good. A really good resource for that are your hotel front desk people because they're living mm -hmm. in the city. They live there. They can speak English really well. They're usually excited to speak English because typically, you know, well, it's their job. Uh, but you've got to phrase your questions right. You know, don't just ask them what's a good place to eat because they'll probably recommend a place they think you want to eat. They'll recommend a place that has, you know, more Western style foods or foods that's developed for a Western palate. Instead, ask them, where do you like to eat around here? Because that's an entirely different question. Right. So do phrase your questions to be a little bit more precise or like, yes. what do you like to do after work around here? Because then you're going to be getting a, a better insight into what people that live in the area do rather than just what should I do in the evening? Or you should go to this nightclub heavily populated by backpackers. Right. It's a totally different yes. sort of question. And it depends on how you phrase it. Yeah. What do you, where do you eat for lunch? Where do you go when you want to have a night out? And they are very different <laughs> because probably more people than not want something familiar. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not everyone is out there to immerse themselves in a new culture. A lot of people want to see the sights and enjoy themselves, but not necessarily fully immerse themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's not how I like to travel. When I travel, I like to, again, get as close as I can to the mm -hmm. people that are living there. You know, I'm lucky that I had you in Thailand because you've been on both sides of it. 
you know, when, when you first moved there, you were arguably a tourist for probably a year. Definitely. After that year, you start going, okay, well, I've done the touristy things. Let's find some better stuff. Like that one, what, that jazz club that we went to? Oh, yeah, saxophone over by Victory Monument. Love that place. That place was amazing. And you know you know who was in there? All Thai people. <laughs> it's a jazz club, but it's completely different than anything you're going to get in the States. It was so cool. I loved it, and I want to go back. Next night, we're going back. And, and when you order a, a beer, it comes out of a little mug that's shaped like a saxophone. It's amazing. <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, I would say coffee shops are, I would say, are another good place. Because again, everybody likes coffee. Everybody drinks coffee. And again, most of the people in those coffee shops, they're probably going to speak some English. And they live there. And I would say, I know I said before, like, don't just go up to some random person on the street and ask for mm. stuff. But at the same time, don't be afraid to, like, try and talk to people. I mean, obviously, gauge their reaction. I mean, it's just like here or anywhere. You're walking down the street. Someone says, hey, how are you doing? You know, most of the time that doesn't mean I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you go up to and grab a cup of coffee and you go, hey, I have a question. Where's your favorite place to eat? That's going to start a conversation, most likely. I think that's probably the best way is just ask. And I would also say another good thing is. I know that a lot of people like to stay at Airbnbs. They like to have these private private rooms. But I prefer guest houses. I prefer actual hotels and guest houses that do have staff that you can talk to. Because mm -hmm. if you're in an Airbnb, it's going to be a lot more like what you're used to back home. Whereas if you're in a, a guest house, especially if it's a homestay, you're going to get a more authentic experience as well. And, and probably you're going to be able to be introduced to authentic food. When my wife and I were traveling in Vietnam, we stayed in Hue for about a month. That's the ancient capital. We stayed at a homestay and every morning they would have breakfast for us and, and we'd go downstairs to the kitchen and, and the lady who was running it would have gone out to find some local street food that she would just, you know, she would plate up and serve to us along with coffee every morning. So we got to try such a wide range of local food that we probably couldn't have found on our own. Mm -hmm. And we got to have a really good local experience. One night she took us out to watch a performance of some like traditional music and they put on a small show very, very local kind of experience. Uh, then took us out for some dessert afterwards. And we were walking around the city at night and it was just a really cool time. And we wouldn't have had that if we were staying at an Airbnb on our own. The only way we could mm -hmm. have done that experience was by staying at a homestay. I would also say that a good way to do it, if you feel comfortable doing it, is when you choose your place to stay, don't stay in the touristy area. In Bangkok, for example, don't go to Khaosan Road and don't go on Sukhumwit Road. There's again, there's nothing wrong with those places, but it's it's just going to be what you're used to. I would say like where your first apartment was is nowhere near where tourists go. And because of that, you experience so much more of a city than you would if you just stayed in one little area and took a taxi to the to the sites. Right. Public transportation also great. Yes, especially if you're brave enough to try to figure out the local bus system. That's always it's a fun, fun experience. <laughs> now, again, I know this is going to be Thai-centric because that's what mm -hmm. we both know more. I would say that in Thailand, what I did was one time on accident, one time on purpose, mm -hmm. was I was taking the river taxi and I got off on the wrong stop. But I got to see a neighborhood I never would have seen otherwise, you know, and there's shops and street food vendors and kids playing and things like that. The second time I did it on purpose. 
because I know I can always at least find a taxi. Yeah. I mean, if you load up your phone with an app like, well, find out whatever the local equivalent is. Here we have Grab. If you're somewhere else, you might use Uber or Lyft. You know, have that at the ready. And I, I relish getting lost. I'll wander around Bangkok to random places, get lost, call a taxi, and, and head to the nearest train station if I need to. Yeah. You know, if they have a train system like like Bangkok does, just find your nearest station. That's what I did. The first time you do that is nerve-wracking. I'd say, especially from the U.S., we're not used to being lost and we're not used to walking places. And so you feel very mm-hmm. exposed if you're from the U.S. especially. But yes. once you kind of get over that mental block, it's... It's great. And I think that's the biggest thing, too, is that immersing yourself into a culture isn't all about having fun and, you know, you know, going to places and doing fun things. You also have to do things like go grocery shopping. Which is one of my big tips. It's great. Like go grocery shopping, go like we did go to a movie, you know, do things that aren't what someone on vacation would do. Well, let's, let's break some of those down. Let's talk about grocery shopping, Mm -hmm. supermarkets. That's one of my biggest tips for discovering a new place. Every time I'm in a new country, one of the first things I do is I go to the supermarket. I usually buy some instant coffee. I buy some bread and some peanut butter, just stuff like that. Maybe some instant noodles that I can eat in my hotel to save a little bit of money. But it's also fun just to look around and see what kind of products do they have. The produce is probably different. Maybe there's some weird fruits that you've never seen. That's always fun. You know, different brands, everything. It's super interesting to go to a supermarket in a different country. When we went one time, the first time I visited, we had pancake night. Yeah. And so we had to we had to hunt down things like pancake mix, which is not that easy to find. But you go to these supermarkets and you go to go to local supermarkets and you find things that one you've never seen, you've never heard of. I like going to places like 7-Eleven or mm-hmm. things like that because yes, they will have the stuff you're used to. They'll have Coca-Cola and potato chips and things like that, but they'll also have pandan cake and yeah basil chicken toasties and stuff like that. You know, what I like to do is to see the things that are most popular in those places. Mm -hmm. Supermarket corner store, whatever is going to put the most popular things front and center. So you walk into a supermarket and you go, okay, what snack is most popular here? And it's usually something you've never seen. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like chili squid. Love that stuff. It's good. Weird at first. It's weird at first. All the dried fish is odd at first. <laughs> but no, supermarkets, great resource. We tried to go to that restaurant. Didn't work. <laughs> if you, yeah, but this thing, you probably will fail. You know, you will fail. You'll yes. have a point where you run into a language barrier or something like that, and you just can't make it work. And you just have to accept that. You have to accept the unpredictability of things as you're going. Mm-hmm. That story, I don't know if we've told it on this podcast, there was a restaurant beneath your apartment, next door to your apartment. Yeah. And little local restaurant, a few tables, chairs. It was definitely a restaurant. At first I was like, did we just walk into someone's like kitchen? But no, it was definitely a restaurant. We walked in, we sat down, they came up to us, and we could not get across anything. No, we tried. And I don't, you know, <laughs> and this is a good example of someone that was not receptive to our attempts. Right. She finally just threw her hands up and walked away. And we were like, okay, well, yep. and we'll we were just like, leave. Okay, guess we're going to go. <laughs> it, it happens. And it's okay. <laughs> That's, I still love that story. It, we tried. Or what is it? Um, our, um, our hunt for Mudang. 
Oh yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere. Never had it. <laughs> Never had it. I have it all the time. It's so weird because I have it. I have it all the time. And then when you wanted it, I just couldn't find it anywhere that sold it. Is it similar to chashu pork? Kind of. It's like yeah, yeah, kind of. It's barbecue. Kind of like pork, Chinese barbecue pork. pork. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've probably basically had it, but yeah. then <laughs> right, I wanted it, and we searched everywhere, and that'll happen too. You'll mm-hmm. you'll want something that someone told you about. And you will not be able to find it. Well, I've got a great restaurant now that I can take you to, and it's really good. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Again, do things that you wouldn't think to do on vacation. Like going to a movie. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You've been to a movie here, and it was a very different experience, I'm sure, than going to a movie back in the U.S. It's much more luxurious in Thailand we were not at the fancy cinema. There's a, there is a fancy cinema where you pay like $30, but you get a, like a 10 minute massage and a glass of wine beforehand. And you get a, like a sofa See, with a bed, you know, and a blanket. Here you pay $30 and you don't get anything. But so basically it was in a mall. Love the Thai malls. Go to the malls. That's another good one. Wherever you are, go to the mall. Um, and so we got to the movie theater and one, tickets are cheap. That's cool. Well, at least for an American, tickets are cheap. So many options for snacks. I got the cheese popcorn. Yeah, though the popcorn is not just butter popcorn like in the U.S. You get cheese. You can have barbecue. You can have truffle. They'll have special ones like when the Minion movie came out. They had banana flavored popcorn, which is kind of weird, but there you go. <laughs> you know, the cheese popcorn was so good, but it definitely tasted like you explained what cheese was to somebody, <laughs> but they didn't really know. <laughs> Well, it's that very artificial, like powdered cheese. So good. We saw The Force Awakens. We had to stand for the royal anthem. Yeah. Go to go to a movie. Go explore the mall. There's that one food court in that in the mall. I forget which one. Yep, all of them. You get the card and um It's all of them, literally at every mall. <laughs> yeah. Siam Central, I think. Siam Center, all of them. I mean Seriously, every mall has. They're that. all great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, eat at food courts. Don't eat at like restaurants. Another one is sounds silly. Order a pizza because that can be a different yes. experience too. James and I we like doing this because the pizzas mm-hmm. are totally different. Like in Thailand, you've got Tom Yum Goon flavored pizza. You can't get that from Pizza Hut in the U.S. You can get it from Pizza Hut no. here or Ham and Crab Stick. Yeah, my favorite is Ham and Crab Stick. It's That's really my favorite good. One. Yeah, and that comes from what pizza. Pizza Co. It's a company, but but you can get it probably from Domino's or Pizza Hut here mm-hmm. as well if you want to. McDonald's. McDonald's, yes. Another great Go to one. McDonald's or Burger King. You'll have all these local twists. Like you'll have the McDonald's version of basil chicken. McDonald's version. You can get a corn pie. You can't get a corn pie in America. You can get a corn no. pie here. <laughs> they have a pork burger. Yeah. I guess the tip really is to do what you would do back home. Mm-hmm. And be prepared that it's going to be different. And that's part of the, I think, the interesting experience is the things that you do back home, ordering a pizza, going to the movies, going to a grocery store. It's familiar. And then when you get somewhere else and you do those same things, they're different. And I think that can give you a good insight a little bit into the country and and into the way things are different. But it's still easy enough or it's easily accessible because it's still something that you know. So it's a good way Mm -hmm. of sort of experiencing these things that are different well here's another one one that i like doing is going camping you don't think about going to a different country and going camping that's Mm -mm. something people do domestically but when i was camping it's there's no other foreigners out there at the national parks camping you know it's families it's thai families on their vacations 
And it's such a fun way to, to see the country. And, you know, you're not staying at a hotel. You're in a tent at a campsite at a national park. And we, we did a little half episode about camping in Thailand uh, mm-hmm. last year. It was part two of our Halloween episode. So you can go and find that. Maybe we'll do another episode about it in the future, a full episode. <laughs> but go on a camping trip, something like that, something that you maybe wouldn't think to do while abroad. Uh, yeah, I think that once you realize that wherever you go, people are just people. Yeah. And people do the same things everywhere. But those same things that you do and that they do are very different simply because of where they are. Right. You know, we keep going back to like shopping for groceries. It's just very different. You might not be able to find things that you would normally get, but you will find something an alternative to it in Asia. Dairy isn't very big, you know, it's not in a lot of things. And so, whereas here in the States, dairy is huge, you know, milk, cheese, all that stuff. And you can certainly find those things. Oh yeah. But they're not going to be necessarily what you were initially looking for. Especially if you go to like a little local supermarket, they may not have them at all. Things like beef. Rarely see it in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. Beef is everywhere. Taco Bell here sells, yeah, pork tacos. I mean, they, you can get beef, but when they first opened with their regular menu, almost no one wanted to go there because it was all beef and a lot of people here don't eat beef. So they had to adapt mm-hmm. their menu and introduce pork tacos and chicken tacos instead. It's really tough to, to get turkey at Thanksgiving time. And I mean, I, I was able to find it, but I was able to get some deli slices this past year. And that was <laughs> the turkey that I was able to get. <laughs> Even that was hard to find, and, right? <laughs> and it's expensive. Yeah, it was either that or actually order an imported turkey from Butterball. And you can get that at the grocery store, but you have to fill out the form and order it in advance. You can't just go to the store and pick up a turkey. You know, this this turned into kind of a food episode, but that's okay. Well, you know what? I think that's valuable because food is such an intrinsic part of a culture. And that's how people often experience culture is through food. It's a very accessible way to experience it. It's not like religion where it can be very private. Food is something that people want to share. You know, no matter where you go, no one's like, ah, don't eat this food. It's for us only. We don't really like it when foreigners eat our food. No, food is something people are proud of and want to share to the outside world. And if you did find anyone like that, run. (laughs) Yeah, because that's really weird. (laughs) Super weird. No, people, again, yeah, they want to share their food. And most people want to share their culture as long as they don't think you're in it to exploit something. Right. And the thing is, you have to maybe do a little research as well, because some places are more accessible than others. Thailand is a mm-hmm. very accessible country to experience the culture. Anyone is welcome to join, uh, you know, to visit a Buddhist temple in Thailand. You can have a talk with the monks. You can do the rituals. They don't care. You can be any religion you want, and you're still welcome to light the candles and incense and pray and join the rituals, just as if you were a Thai Buddhist. There's no differentiation. It's totally open because they want anyone to experience it. Other countries are not that way, and that's totally their prerogative. Mm-hmm. In Bali, you can't go inside a temple unless you're Balinese. You can't enter the temple. Even if you say, I'm Hindu, they won't let you in because it's for them, and that's you know that's their choice. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of that, maybe a lot of foreigners have been exploiting it, and people do think of Bali as this very, oh, look at me. It's a very Instagram. Look at me. I'm doing yoga in Bali type of place. I'm sure it's a reaction against that type of foreigner. Yes. But, you know, do your research and find which cultures are more accessible if you really want to get involved in that side of it. You know, the more spiritual side Mm -hmm. of the culture. You know, I was talking to one of my coworkers and he has lived all over the place. He's lived in Taiwan. He's lived in Germany. He's lived, you know, kind of all over the place. 
um, I asked him what was his favorite place to live, both, you know, location wise, culturally, everything. It was Jordan. He said, Middle Eastern people are some of the most welcoming, friendly people you will ever meet. Just like um, growing up in Arlington, we have a very large Indian population. Same kind of thing. For my experience, anyways, they're very welcoming. They're very happy to show you things and they want to share their culture with you. I think there's some, some people try and gatekeep cultures because cultural appropriation is definitely a thing, but there's a difference between wanting to experience a culture and, and taking it for your own benefit. And you should look at the other side of it as well. Is the other culture wanting to share it with you? If so, that's not appropriation, right? Remember the news a couple years ago where some um, you know, white girl in the U.S. wore a Chinese chi pao to her prom? And all mm-hmm. the other white people on Twitter were saying, you can't do that. That's not your culture. And everyone in China was like, that's really cool that she appreciates our heritage and, and our art. It's, they're like, it's just a dress. It doesn't have any spiritual significance to us. No. It's a piece of clothing. They're like, if we can wear business suits, why can't you wear that? But it's like going to Japan and thinking, why, is not, why isn't everyone wearing kimonos and samurai outfits? Right, right. Like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. It would be like an American seeing someone wearing blue jeans and being like, you can't wear those. That's our culture. And obviously, if it's a religious garment, if it's something like that, that's different. Don't go slap on a yarmulke right. for fun. For fashion. Like, just don't. <laughs> it's not a fashion sense. It like, but things like, if you go to places like Dubai, people often think that what the men wear, or in like Saudi Arabia, what the men wear, the long white gown with the headpiece, is a religious thing. It's not. It's a cultural thing, and it's meant to keep you out of sandstorms like <laughs> but you got to research i think you got to see what mm-hmm. is appropriate and what's not and it takes a little bit of effort and it's things like that it's taking part in cultural festivals is another great way unfortunately for me i haven't been able to really experience a thai festival new year's in thailand great love it but things like songkran really want to be there or like carnival in trinidad or brazil Everyone's just happy. Like everyone's happy to be there. And I think that's a great way to maybe jumpstart something. (laughs) Go out for a drink with somebody. It's a great way. Obviously be careful. I mean, all of this use common sense, right? Especially like you're wandering around getting lost, talking to random people. Like, yeah, do use common sense. (laughs) Most people are perfectly fine. And that is one thing that traveling will show you for all the horrors and terrible things that happen in the world. I would argue that 99% of people are friendly and happy and they're just good people. And that doesn't matter where you are from China to uh, Latvia. I don't know. (laughs) I think knowing that going into certain things, again, use common sense. (laughs) Don't, don't go wandering around alleys in the middle of the night. Like just don't, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, other ways to meet locals, join a meetup group, look on Mm -hmm. meetup.com and find a group that's meeting, find something that you're interested in and go make some local friends. I mean, that's a good way to, to meet people. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously an English speaker. If you're not, congratulations. Like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> people like speaking English around the world, and it's a very good way to open a door. People want to practice their English. A lot of times they don't have the opportunity to do so, and if they find someone who can speak English and is interesting to talk to, they're going to want to talk to you. I just think that's, that's awesome. What is it? When we went with my wife, how many Chinese tour groups wanted her picture? Because she's a tall black girl with braids. Right. And like, you can approach that two ways. You can either get offended by that or you can kind of embrace it and be like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, <laughs> like, I get it. Like, and I think she had a very mature perspective on that. 
Yeah. The guy that took a selfie with me at that terrible zoo. Right. I don't know what he wanted. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he wanted, but it's like, I can either get mad about it. Right. Or just roll with it. Because like one, who cares? It doesn't matter. One day I might find my picture floating around on the internet. That'd be great. Going back to this, I can't tell you in Vietnam how many times I was just walking around in the evening and some like nine-year-old kid would run up to me with some homework assignment. And they're like, my homework assignment is to stand in this tourist area and ask a foreigner these questions. And it was like, you know, what is your name? What is your job? What kind of foods do you like? Mm -hmm. Do you like Vietnam? Questions like that. They had to find a foreigner and ask them in English. That happened three or four times while we were there, usually in the evening at these popular tourist places. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were really excited to find someone to talk to and practice to answer those little questions. And they were getting some practical language experience doing it. It's pretty cool. As an American, we are, I'm not going to say overall, because that's not probably not true, but Americans and probably other Westerners are fairly fearful. You know, no U.S. parent would send their kid out to go ask some random person questions. When you're afraid of people, and afraid of other cultures, whether that's conscious or not, is a, is a big hindrance to not only your personal growth, but just experiencing something to its fullest extent, even if you're not out to do what all the locals do. And I know we kind of got off topic with this one, but I think we've touched on some really good points. And to summarize, I would say that, no, I think you and I both agree you cannot fully experience a place like someone born and raised there. But you can experience it better than a tourist can if you just take some some tips and just go for it. I hope that some of these things are good tips. I hope that we didn't ramble too much and that you will take some of these to heart. (laughs) Next time you're traveling, just think about us. Think about what would Michael and James do? Yeah, probably get lost and order a pizza. WWMJD. There you go. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Should we make bracelets? WWMJD. What would Mega Jesus do? Pontius Pilate never knew what hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, if you have a tip, write in and we'll definitely give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. How do you experience these sorts of things? Do you have any practical ideas that we maybe didn't touch on? Uh, write in hello at attemptedventure.com and and let us know. We always love getting listener mail from you guys. Well, it is time now, James, for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. And this week, it's my turn and my adventure in the news. It's actually another article that's sort of a question. It's not something actually that someone's adventured. Uh, And the question is this. It's from Outside Online. It's, why do we like to read stories about death in the wilderness? Why are we so fascinated (laughs) by stories of people that wander away at Death Valley or, or get frozen into a popsicle in, you know, Gates of the Arctic? Why are these stories so interesting to us? Anyway, okay, let's get into this for a minute. So I think there's something very primal about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to our caveman brain maybe a little bit. Yeah. But more than that, humans are both terrified and infinitely fascinated with death. It's the one thing that humans can never know what it's like. Yeah, I also think that it's 
we humans, we like to think that we're in control of things. And when we're actually pitted against nature, we come to realize that we're not. No, we lose most of the time. No, the only way we survive is as a unit, as a group, right? Individually against nature, there's nothing we can do. It's way stronger than we are. And I think that fascinates us and terrifies us as well. Mm -hmm. And man's struggle against the wild is sort of a tale as old as time. Man versus man, man versus himself, man versus nature. The three types of storytelling, right? (laughs) And man versus nature is almost like that infinite struggle. Right. Even in modern society, we still struggle. We still fight that fight. I don't know. That's a really good question. Why are we so fascinated? It's an interesting question. It appeals to our sense of adventure, but also our sense of fear of nature. I mean, look at stories like Into the Wild, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it interests us because of that. But it's also a good warning. It kind of teaches you that you need to be prepared Mm -hmm. in these situations, right? Maybe just some general wilderness survival tips would be a good episode in the future. Well, if our listeners have a take on that, do write in. Let us know what you think. Folks, if you enjoyed the show today, please don't forget to subscribe. Maybe consider giving us a review on your podcast app of choice. Maybe a five-star review if you are feeling generous. You know, it really does help us out, and we appreciate it so much. And before we wrap up, I just want to give you all one last reminder of our monthly challenge. Before the end of March, wake up early, take a picture of that sunrise, send it to us. Hello at AttemptAdventure.com, subject line challenge, for the chance to win a little prize. You can find more Attempt Adventure content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where we are Attempt Adventure. You can also find links to all of those on our website, AttemptAdventure.com. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening to us today. And until next time, keep adventuring.